0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now
1: more than ever. to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com.
2: And here we are, another episode of Redefining Society podcast. And uh, with me today, uh, there is Jeff And Jeff, how are you today?
3: Really good, Marco. Very pleased to be here today.
2: And I'm glad to have you because uh, today we're talking about a topic that is, is very dear to me. And you, you have a particular knowledge of a certain area, a certain aspect of this very general topic, which is the environment. Um, renewable energy is one of the side um, uh, polluting is another and then I'm going to say <laughs> there is the cleanup of what <laughs> maybe we have done and we shouldn't not have done that but this is for you humans we we do something and then we're like whoops that's uh, maybe <laughs> we should have done it in a different way now we got to do something uh, and you tell us what what, uh, what is that you do in, in particular but again this is the Redefining Society podcast and of course Environment, um, technology, and how it affects our lifestyle and the way we live our life. It's definitely a really relevant topic as we are redefining society in a technological modern world. So, with this said, uh, Jeff, a little bit about yourself for our audience, and then we're going to dig in, in in what you do and how we got here and what we can do to get out of this uh, trouble sure. we're in.
3: Well, thanks, Marco. I- very pleased to be here. Um, just a little background on our company. Our, our company is called Delta Clean Tech Inc. and we're a, a public company. Uh, we we're out of Canada, out of Calgary, Alberta, and Regina, Saskatchewan. And uh, really, what we are is a company that's been set up to help solve a couple of couple of uh, society's major problems right now. And as, you, as the audience probably knows, you've probably heard about greenhouse gases and, and the fact that CO2 is one of the byproducts of, of emissions. So whether you have a, a coal plant or a refinery or a hydrogen plant or whatever, anything that's burning a fossil fuel is going to emit carbon. And that carbon's usually in the form of what they call CO2, which is, as you know, is, is what they call a greenhouse gas. And what happens is when the when the greenhouse gas goes up into the atmosphere it it creates a, a like a blanket and it and it increases the overall temperature of the earth so there's been a movement now that's been going on for oh i'd say at least 20 or 30 years now which is looking at the world and various protocols to try to get countries around the world to try to reduce their emissions overall so that our average temperature of the world doesn't go up and we're starting to see some of the the effects of of that temperature going up, whether it be more and more hurricanes or bad weather or climate change or icebergs melting or, or, uh, you know, glaciers melting and all these different things that are not good for our environment. So what our company does is uh, we've taken a technology that's been around for actually many years, probably since the 1930s, it's called Post combustion, uh, aiming capture process. And what we do basically is we, we take, uh, the flue gas that comes out of a, a smokestack, any kind of smokestack really, and then we put it through, uh, there's two columns. And, and the first column is called what we call the absorber column. And, uh, and what you do there is you, you push the flue gas through the absorber column and, and then you drop the solvent down from the top. And then that solvent, when it passes the flue gas, it absorbs the CO2. And then what you do is you take it to the other side of the column, which is called a stripper column. And then you you add heat to that. And then that boils off the CO2 and you've got CO2 in a pure form. And then that whole cycle repeats itself. So it's a process that's been around for a long time. And what we've done uh, as a bunch of engineers and scientists that work in our company is we looked at ways to make that process more efficient. So ways to reduce the capital costs of of building these plants. And so what we do is we use oil field technology and we build our plants on skids and in a factory setting. And then we looked at ways to reduce the operating costs and that. And basically, you know, 5% improvement here and a 10% improvement there. And at the end of the day, now we have a, a very commercial technology that is uh, very easy to use and very easy to install and uh, so we've been working on a number of projects worldwide uh, we've been in the business for probably about 17 years now and and, and it's been a fight uh, as you know there's was the original Kyoto protocols and that and and what happened was that you know there was a lot of interest in reducing emissions but Countries overall would would start pointing fingers at each other and say, "Well, you know, if China is not going to reduce their emissions, we're not because then because then we'll be less competitive." And always lots of reasons <laughs> not to do it, Marco. You know, and 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 so you know, we we got a lot of engineering studies over the years and stuff, but there's actually been a bit of a fundamental shift in this whole area over the last uh, probably one or two years now, and one of the there's a couple of things, but one of the main ones is what they call the environmental and social governance uh, movement, which is where companies are saying, uh, or ESG is for short, and they're saying, you know, um, you have obligations as a company to be able to meet some ESG gu- guidelines. And a lot of the major companies around the world, like, uh, you know, Amazon or Microsoft or all these other companies, are all standing up and saying, you know, We're going to be net zero by 2030. So if you're a a large oil company, uh, 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 you know, an Exxon or a Shell or somebody like that, and you're saying we're going to be net zero by certain, you've made these commitments, you know, you've made a a legal liability to people that want to invest in your company to say, okay, well, you know, I I have a green energy fund and I'm going to invest in your company, Mr. Shell, but... I'm investing on the basis of your ESG guidelines that you're telling me. You're saying you're going to reduce your emissions by cert- certain amount by 2030, and and so now so they've made some formal commitments. And and the capital people in New York and Toronto and London are also saying the same thing. They're saying, well, you know what, Mister Oil Company, I'm I'm going to give you the money, but you have to give me your ESG plan. So what are they going to do? Well, there's there's only a couple things they can do. I mean. Obviously, if they reduce their emissions from a lot of their big emitting plants, if you have a, a big coal plant or a big refinery or a big hydrogen plant that is putting a 1,000 tons a day of CO2 into the atmosphere, you need to do something about it. So mm. there's, there's a lot of different technologies around now that are, are looking at how we deal with this problem. Uh, I would say that out of all of them uh, in the world right now uh, that are, are looking at this, you know, the post-combustion aiming process that ourselves and a number of our competitors are using is probably what I would consider to be the most commercial. There's a lot of others which I call science experiments, which are work really good on the bench, but they probably need another 10 or 20 years to try to work out the commerciality. So this whole business really is about starting off by reducing emissions using known technology that's commercial like ours, uh, building a few plants, reducing the emissions. And then as we go over time, um, then we can also look at some of the new technologies and, and new things that we can do. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can't just say, you know, well, let's just give up fossil fuels. Well, you know, it's not, that's not realistic because everybody still drives cars and they still fly in airplanes and, the, and they still like plastics and, and everything you look at your desk right now is probably in one way or another related to a, a fossil fuel. So what can we do in the in, in the interim? Well, the interim thing is, is to, to reduce your emissions. So either whether it be your power emissions or whether it be your mobile fuel emissions, by using technologies such as ours, as kind of a bridging technology. And then at the same time, then you imp- implement some of the, you know, the, the more environmentally friendly technologies like wind and solar and uh, tidal power, or potentially in the future, you know, uh, can we get fusion power working and, and other very interesting new energy technologies. I mean, obviously, if you can duplicate the power of the sun using fusion, and uh, create unlimited amount of energy, then, you know, then Leon Musk and his battery powered cars start to make a lot more sense, don't they? Because now you can charge your car and you don't have to worry about where the power is going to come from. Because if you're charging your car and it's coming out of a coal power plant, kind of doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> you know, yeah, it, and,
2: and, and you don't have, have to deal eventually with a radioactive <laughs> residual of, of, of yeah, other yeah, techniques that sure we sure have. Yeah, yeah. So you, you you said a lot of things, and and my my brain start going in. What does the audience would want to know um, about certain things? And and there is a few questions. So let, let me allow me to ask you a few. Uh, and they may sound stupid, but I don't think there are ever stupid questions. Ever so, stupid question. Exactly. So one is this. It's like okay, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, this is typical human. We couldn't foresee this. We couldn't just in electric 100 years ago, which, by the way, if I learn exactly, the first cars were actually electric. So who knows where we could have gone with that. But apart from that, now we're on a point where we just can't just, as you say, scratch everything. We're too invested in this to just say, yep, from now on, no more jobs in the in that business, no more jobs in another business. We're just going to reinvent everything from scratch. I understand it's not that easy. So, is that something that has clicked lately? You said there has been a switch at a certain point. We're at a point where I say, you know, technology, different technologies converted together to allow a lot of different things. Car batteries, it's one of those, you know, and it's still developing to incorporate more energy, recharge faster, and having an infrastructure to do that. So... What is the situation based on your experience of cleaning up the mess that we have done, given that we need to do steps to get to, to not produce the leftover that is really damaging the environment, but can we actually get stuff done, like clean this air from CO2 faster than, I mean, is it a net gain here or, or are we kidding ourselves?
3: No, absolutely. And and I'll tell you, Canada is a good example. I, 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 you know, it's not often you can brag about your own country, but, you know, one of the things that that has happened is and I think our government realized that, you know, it's it's a bit of a, st- a, a carrot and stick issue. You know, what is your carrots and what are your sticks in Canada? They, they did both uh, the carrots being that they provided uh government grants to, if you wanted to build a CO2 capture plant, they'll finance uh, 50% of the cost and they'll also give you tax incentives. And then the the stick is really we've implemented a carbon tax in Canada. Uh, That carbon tax currently is uh, $50 a ton that what you would pay if you're an emitter. So uh, And then that's going to go up to $130 a ton by 2030. So if you're a large emitter and you're, you're emitting a, a million tons a year, you know, a million tons times $50 this year, and then a million tons times 130 there's a real financial penalty for you not to do something. And on the other hand, the carrot being, if you do do something, here's 50% money that's non-repayable. It just goes towards the cost. So what's that effectively done is it, it got everybody over that hump of Pointing fingers and saying, "Okay, you know, we've got our ESG commitments we got to make. We've got tax incentives, and now you know we've got penalties as well." Now, in addition, one more thing that's that's happened is that um, uh, our company was involved in in a project called the X Carbon Capture X Prize uh, here in Calgary, and and what that was all about was that is that um, the government of Canada and the government of Alberta and some other people put up some money uh, and they said, here's $10 million, the world, uh, come out and show us. Now, now we, we know pretty much how you capture carbon, but what do you do with it afterward? afterwards? Hmm. You know, that's the, always the biggest challenge. And in the past, you know, CO2 has been used for such things as enhanced oil recovery. I don't know if your viewers aren't aware of what that is, but basically, what you do is you take CO two and you put it into an old oil well, and and what CO two does is it acts like a solvent and almost dissolves the oil, and so what it and then what it does is is that you can you can put a bunch of CO two down hole, and then you put some water behind it and you push it over to the production well, and you can actually take a dead oil well and actually start creating more oil out of there. So that's called enhanced oil recovery, and, and that's been used quite a bit in Canada, United States, and in, in a lot of the oil fields right now. But the X Prize competition was to look at ways what we can do to make CO2 commercial. And so they they put out this competition for ten million dollars. They had about 140 applicants, and then out of those 140, they selected five. And it was very interesting. Um, the they, the five finalists in Canada, and there was five in the United States as well. And and there was things like using CO2 to make uh, carbon nanotubes, which is something, you know, carbon fiber is used now in a lot of the materials and in, in airplanes and cars and other things instead of steel and plastic. Uh, things like mi- mixing uh, CO2 with hydrogen and, and making things like uh, ethanol, which is a CO2 vodka, believe it or not, or methanol, which is, is, is used uh, in the oil business, quite a bit, um, putting, CO, injecting CO two into concrete, and so on and so on. Lots of very interesting ways. That the secret really is, if you can offset the cost of reducing your emissions, then then your then your cost of capture comes down substantially. So if I can take my CO two that I've captured and I can sell it, I can. Let's say I, I there's a company in New York New York that makes CO two based vodka. Believe it or not, and so now, if I can sell my CO two and make vodka and sell it, then my cost of capture is going to come down in the long run. And and as you can, in some I, cases, I'm just wondering
2: how how much we have to drink to get rid of all the CO two. <laughs>
3: well, yeah, <there> is, <laughs> I mean, then, it's
2: I don't want nothing against that company, but it seems more a marketing pitch than yeah, yeah, <laughs> than no, a real yeah, solution. You're
3: absolutely right, but you know, if you, if you add up all the different things that you can do, then yeah, you can no, take I agree. You can take a good chunk out of, out, out of your existing uh, emissions. And then the rest of it, you know, they've got good technology now of putting it underground and permanently mm. storing it and turning it into calcium carbonate or some other kind of rock that makes it permanently sequestered. So mm. there's lots of interesting things, like I said, like I said, the ESG and the, and the incentives and the, and the carrots and the sticks and, and, and all those things and, 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 the, and the other things. That you can use it and then also there's food grade CO2 like using it to for you know beer and wine and for the carbonation uh beer and and mm. pop and all those other things so uh, can
2: that's, I ask that's you something favorite. yeah what what is your take cuz I was listening actually to NPR a couple of um and reading something about the the green credit and how a company are saying well I every time that I if I understand it correctly every time that you produce more than what you should, you pollute more than what you should. You pay a penalty, and that that penalty is used to finance the removal of the CO2 or reinvest it somewhere. So, and I feel like it's it's really the way to to go. I mean, again, I I look at this as a game of unless there is a, a synergy of everything, we're we're not gonna go ahead. That's that's what I'm thinking from an environmental perspective, right? You need to capture what is there, what is being produced. You need to limit what the one you produce and you need probably way to, to get there. And, and a lot of people were talking about this green credit just a way to get away with a murder. So, Well, you, you know,
3: there's a lot of people that argue that and I would argue the opposite actually because mm-hmm. actually we have a subsidiary company that that actually does that. We, we, we take the the CO2 that we've captured for the companies that we work for, and then we create green credits and we help them trade. So that that's that adds on to the list of incentives, like the carrots for you to do this. It's another offsetting uh, revenue source that you can add to make it more incentivize you to, to actually reduce your carbon. And mm-hmm. so uh, carbon credits are, 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 are traded and, and, and they, they are traded usually by the companies like, like the Microsofts and the Amazons that actually don't have big smokestacks, but they want to reduce their carbon footprint. So they would buy these. So that, that cash then comes back and that does add, add to the ability of that company to make their carbon capture plant more cost effective. And that's mm-hmm. the secret, right? At the end of the day, really, what does it boil down to? It boils down to business. Whether mm-hmm. you're making yeah. money or you're not, right? I mean, you can say, you know, as a company, oh, we're green and, and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and But at the end of the day, what is it really about? It's about making money and it's about cost versus, you know, versus revenue, you know? And, and mm-hmm. am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? Well, if, if all those ESG things are making me do it and I can find out a good way to do it and it's gonna, it's going to offset my costs, then I'm going to do it. And that's what we're seeing right now. That's why the people are pounding our doors down to, to find out about this and why you know, I'm hiring engineers as fast as I can hire them.
2: Yeah. And ESG has definitely made a big difference and in, in a switch maybe in the perception of the consumers. If there is really a value in being a true company, a company that really preach the the walk, the talk and that actually does something for the environment, I think the new generation are definitely getting more involved with that, which brings me to to the next question, which is when we talk about anything in our global economy, you know, we can say well, Canada is doing this Italy is doing that the US is doing this, or maybe California is doing it, versus I don't know, Tennessee is not, or vice versa, and I'm not you know, nothing against Tennessee. I'm just using two examples. But the point is, this is something that once it goes in the air, there is no borders, right? There is no governance and and the environment is of everyone. I'm not going to be using the overview effect of the astronauts that goes on the, you know, in space and look at the planet and it's just one. So all of this to say, how how hard is going to be on your opinion to really put everybody on the same page and you mentioned that before you know China's like no nah, I'm not going to do it India's not going to do it because they have other interests but at the end of the day I'm an idealistic guy I talk about dystopia utopia philosophy and sociology a lot I'm like we got one damn planet and so far we can't really just escape <laughs> we yeah. don't have the propulsion or the mean to do that so how is it going, on your opinion, or what the future looks like in terms of really everybody coming together, not just the Paris Paris Act or Paris Accord, yeah. yeah, the Paris Accord, or then then people just going kind of say, no, I'm not going to be part of that, so I don't care. <laughs> I mean, well,
3: I, you know, that's always been the challenge, right? And that's what I've been fighting for the last 20 years. Obviously, I mean, there's lots of idealistic people, and and there's lots of people that realize that that uh you know this emissions problem is real i mean there was a lot of you know i I think you mentioned it earlier a lot of greenwashing around this thing where companies would say well we're doing this but they really aren't you know or they but what's happened recently is that every year they have uh uh, an environmental call conference the last one was cop 27 which was the one i was at in egypt Mm -hmm. and uh you know there's all the main countries are there primarily the G8 countries and uh, but this year at COP 27 in, in Egypt uh, I mean all the african countries were there as well and they all have the same concerns and and you know i i I'm, I'm detecting that when i talk to the various companies as, as well around the world uh, that they're they're getting serious about trying to do something. They have good intentions, but I have to help them show them a way that, that I can make it economic as well. So that when their board of directors can sign off on it. So, you know, that's where we try to help them in Canada, like for example, with grants and in the United States right now, uh, under the Biden administration, you know, he made emissions reduction as his number three platform technology when he was, when he was elected. And he's got the 45Q program now, which is good tax incentives for companies to actually do stuff. And any of the things they do in emissions reduction, they can actually write off, which is, is a big step for the United States because you know the United States was never part of Kyoto back in the early days. You know they always wanted to say no, we're not part of this, uh, and we're going to do our own thing. And as a result, nothing was done, as like you said. But you know, am I? I'm cautiously optimistic. Because I know the, re- the reason I'm saying that is simply this, is that companies are actually putting their money where their mouth is for a change. Mm. You, know, you know, they're 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 at least doing demonstration plants. They're doing the engineering required to figure out, you know, what it costs and, and how they're going to do it. And look at all the different technologies, whether, you know, whether they're going to do just an emissions reduction or where they're going to Mix in some solar power or wind or tidal power or whatever—all the new, different, you know, socially responsible technologies. You know, all of them are good. All of them have their their setbacks, right? I mean, yep. you know, it, it, I mean, we see, we saw in Texas uh, during the winter uh, the fact that if you have more than fifteen percent of your grid is is solar or wind. You know, when you get a, a really cold snap or a really hot snap and all the air conditioners kick in or all the heaters kick in, you know, you can't meet the demand for electricity that you need. Like a coal plant, you can just turn it up and you got more power. Mm-hmm. Solar, I mean, if, if the sun isn't shining or the wind isn't blowing, that's it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there isn't any one solution that I can say to you, yeah, this is the way to go, because there isn't. It's a mix. You know, you got to have a little bit of solar. You got to have a little bit of wind. You got to have some fossil fuels. You got to maybe have a some nuclear. You know, I mean, nuclear isn't popular either. I mean, because you, you see what happens if there's the leaks. So, and obviously, you know, if you can get if you can get fusion power, I mean, hallelujah, right?
2: That's true. Listen, uh, let me something just to give a, an idea. You know, to me, which I don't know enough about it, and and to the audience. Um, so th- this this cleanup process of what you do the 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 co2 uh you 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 take it you, you explain the technology you use i know there are other technology out there kind of quickly read here and there what all of those combined together in percentage how much it influence the outcome of for the environment i mean the if you put it on a scale,
3: well, I can I can say this is that if they if if there was a serious implementation of of the technology that we use, that we could one hundred percent reduce the emissions in the world. Hmm. That's it, you know. But what would it cost? It would cost many billions, many trillions. Right? So,
2: is the cost of adoption still too high? Meaning? I don't know. I'm thinking like, so here's me with my fantasy world, right? So I go to Kyoto, Tokyo, not Kyoto, but Tokyo. You mentioned Kyoto before, Tokyo. All the buildings, most of them, they have a garden on the roof, right? Great. You know, you buy something, buy this pen, and we're going to plant a tree. So I agree with you. I mean, everything works, right? Where is going to be that time or what is needed from a technological perspective to reach that cost where, I don't know if it's even possible, that on every building there is some machine to clean up the air? I, I'm going sci-fi probably here, but are we really that far? It
3: isn't sci-fi. I mean, there's, there's for example, uh, uh, one of our competitors have the air capture technology huh yeah and uh you know where they just capture the co2 out of the air well i mean if you just think about it you know the amount of electricity or energy that's required to get such a small percentage of co2 that's in the air to work uh just doesn't make any sense okay so you know is there ways to do stuff differently yeah there is you know what we really need though is we need what like what's happening right now in canada is we need more companies to start to be the forerunners and, and, and show you that this can work and actually they can sell their CO two and make some money and and it doesn't isn't such a hard cost to you and then it's just like anything you know the more of these you build the better you get at them and the and the and the more the cost comes down I mean you know if you can start production lining some of this stuff and and uh, maybe getting standard units that uh, that you've worked out in five other situations that are similar. You know, then you don't have to re-engineer everything and it's, you know, it's your costs start to come down and that that goes with anything, doesn't it, right? The more more stuff you make out of a certain thing, the better are you get at it. And and that's the same. There's no difference in this business. You know, I'm not expecting that my solution is going to be the ultimate solution, but it's at least a solution for now that works. It's commercial. And I'm not prepared to put guarantees behind it. Mm -hmm. but. You know, is there going to be something better in the future? Yeah, probably. So am I always keeping my eyes open? I mean, it's no different than if you're in the IT business, right? If you don't keep your eyes open, you know, it's going to be long before somebody comes along with a better software than you have. And you're out of business in in a month or two, you know.
2: <laughs> first, first adoption is important, but you know you got to maintain it too. <laughs> oh, of
3: course! And you got to always keep your eyes open, looking over your shoulder. Don't mm-hmm. don't don't get too uh, comfortable with where you are because there's always somebody with a with a with a better mousetrap, isn't there?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so you, uh, let, let's wrap this conversation with really a look into, I don't know, the future. Of course, you're you're optimistic about it. You wouldn't be in this business if you, if you were not. Like, yeah. you know, you have a solution that works. You know that you've been very positive in terms of where the government are coming together. And I mean, honestly, we, we don't have a choice. I mean, it's either that or it's a (laughs) post-atomic scenario. Uh, Even not necessarily atomic, but, you know, it's going to look not too good. Uh, So let's finish with a positive note. Um, Do you expect some kind of technology to come together? I mean, do you believe that in within, I'm not going to keep you accountable for that, but, you know, in many years, we can probably look back and be like, wow, we were really in a bad shape. and and now we, we're really getting somewhere. You know, I don't know what kind of technology and and societal or cultural changes have to happen, but what, what is your, you know, futuristic view on, on this?
3: Well, you know, all I can say is out of all the years that I've been involved in the business, this last year has been the most promising to me uh, because, you know, there's people are actually doing stuff now versus just talking. They're actually spending money and they're actually evaluating their own assets. Now, whether they do something at the end of the day, some of them are, some of them aren't, some of them might just buy credits. You know, they might decide that that's a better way to go for their company Mm -hmm. is to buy carbon credits. But at the end of the day, like I said, if they buy somebody's carbon credit, somebody's actually created that through their own plant. And the right. guys that create it, the, like the first guys in are the guys that are going to be going first of all, are going to be able to take advantage of the government funding that's available, you know, because that won't be around forever. So, you know, the first guys in are obviously going to be, I think, the, the best off. <clears throat> Where is it going to go? Well, like I said earlier, you know, it, you can't just say, well, we're going to go wind, we're going to go solar, we're going to cut cut off, you know, gasoline or we're gonna do this or, you know, it's it's a mix. You know, so am I confident? You know, I, I'm really confident that that the smart guys that are working on all these research projects in California and, and the UK and Korea and other places are going to come up with a a workable solar reactor or workable, I'm sorry, fusion reactor. You know, and, and is that maybe 20 years away? It maybe is, but in the meantime, can we can we bridge something? Mm-hmm. And that's what we hope to do as a company.
2: Yep. You know,
3: we, we want to bridge, you know, at least start the, the 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 decline in the amount of emissions, or at least the leveling off the emissions. And then mm-hmm. from there, you know, then we we also will implement, you know, more you know more uh, electrical cars or more efficient ways to burn stuff or Less using less energy in the things that we do. You know, it's it's not one thing. It's it's everything. Everything that everybody's doing to to solve this problem is you the have, answer. Yeah, you know, you know,
2: and I'm I'm glad you you end up with this because it it, it is my message. It's kind of the message of uh, ITSP magazine in general. We have many different podcasts. Some are cybersecurity. Some are you know hosted by astronauts that brings you know technology that we use in space and explain how then we adopted it here so and i think the 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 moral of the story is don't do nothing just because you don't think is enough right i mean that I, I, you said that in so many different ways and that's what i want to say as well that even uh, even a little bit and I, you uh, actually thank you for making me understand the the green credit system because i was not a believer in that but the way you presented I'm like Okay, it's it's part of that, of that system that, that may work in the end. So, cool, very cool. Well, I want to thank you for taking your time here to sharing what you what you do, what you're doing with your company, but also your vision. And I hope that the audience would have a much more clear idea about uh, what, what is happening right now in uh, in in this industry. And. Uh, for everybody, anybody that wants to get in touch with Jeff, uh, there will be links to the company, links to to his personal um, social media account if you want to share it, and they will be in the notes for this episode. So if you're watching the video, there's also a podcast. Be sure to subscribe, and if you're listening to the podcast audio, uh, you want to watch the video, not much to see. It's me and Jeff, but you know, hey, we're, we're here and, and there is a lot more other hosts from ITSP Magazine on our YouTube channel. So check it out. Thank you so much. Jeff, it was a real pleasure to
1: have you on. Yeah,
3: real pleasure, Marco. Appreciate it very much.
1: And... Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises, The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at Devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable, contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.